The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Everybody, it is Friday, July 14th, 2023, and it is indeed a heck of a morning. We are back and we are live on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces. You can hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. I missed you all. I am Mike Heck. Thank you for being here. First show of the week. And what a week it has been, my friends, in a, and not in a real good way, at least personally for me. Remember about eight days ago, hopped on here, said my throat was bothering me, thought it was allergies, battled through it Thursday, battled through it Friday, was feeling okay during the watch party on Saturday until Drickus Duplessis knocked out Robert Whitaker, and then... My voice was just cooked after that for the rest of Saturday into Sunday. Then get on to the next one done, get it on the pod network, getting ready to head to the airport, find out my flight is canceled. So I'm stuck in New York an extra day. There's no flights going out of New York to Savannah on Sunday. Got a flight. First thing Monday morning, had to wake up at 3 a.m., go to the airport. What a friggin' nightmare that was. Waited in this huge line to check in with JetBlue, and I, I have a JetBlue card, so I'm actually like a Mosaic member. So I wait through this entire massive line for an hour and a half. And when I, <clears throat> excuse me, when I get to the front, they're like, why did you 
wait in this line, there's like a whole other mosaic line right over there. And there is no line. You just go in there and get everything done. I'm like, son of a bitch. You live and you learn. And then I get to my gate. Flight's delayed like five times. Finally get home Monday afternoon. Can't talk. Realize that like I can't really do anything. Can't really swallow anything. Throat's real bad. And I'm just like, maybe it's just because I used the voice too much on Saturday. Maybe it was just screaming during DDP's knockout. That really got me. Wake up Tuesday. Cannot talk at all. Cannot speak at all. And like I could barely breathe out of like one side of my my voice. And I knew something was wrong. I was like, all right, this ain't allergies anymore. Something's going on. So I go to the doctor Tuesday evening, and it's just so bad. I feel like I swallowed a bunch of rocks, can't take any medicine, can't eat, can't drink. And it turns out, pretty gnarly case of strep throat. It was really, really bad. Doctor's like, Jesus, because you actually like talked through all of this? I'm like, yeah. Like, I don't know how the hell you did it. And <clears throat> luckily, they put me on some antibiotics. Felt a little better Wednesday. Yesterday felt a lot better. Was able to do BTL. Struggled through it a little bit, but got through it. And then woke up this morning and throat's still bothering me a little bit, but the swelling is mostly gone. I can actually eat food and drink drinks. And for the first time this week, I'm actually drinking a Dunkin' Donuts iced coffee. So it feels good to actually talk. I don't sound like a Muppet anymore. Uh, so all is well. And since we last spoke on Friday... We had UFC 290, which was an incredible event. I mean, one of the best pay-per-view cards we've had in a long time. Volkanovski just continues to be incredible. That fight was not close. It was not competitive. There's like one moment when Yair started to cook, and as soon as he really started to cook, I guess not really, but once he started feeling comfortable, Volk was like, all right, I'm done with this. Punch him in the face and finish the fight. Pantoja... Alexander Pantoja, the new flyweight champion. That fight with Brandon Moreno was incredible. Mentioned Drickus Duplessis. Then, obviously, him and Izzy had the moment, which I remember being on the watch party. I'm like, don't worry, everybody. I'll tell you everything Izzy's going to say. And then I was like, nope, not saying any of that into a live microphone. So then that happened. Bo Nickel looked incredible. Dan Hooker, what a gutsy win over Jalen Turner crazy fight that was UFC 290 just ruled it just ruled it was incredible so we're we're just living in a world where we're just celebrating the greatness of UFC 290 and how spectacular that event was and by by the way even before that even before 290 happens we're getting ready for the ceremonial weigh-ins and out of nowhere Dana White announces John Jones versus Stipe Miocic is, a, is official for MSG in November. So that's another thing that happened since we last spoke. 290 happens. And then Tuesday, it is announced that Francis Aganu is going to freaking box Tyson Fury on October 28th. Not really sure what it was going to be. Is it going to be an exhibition? Is it going to be a real fight? Is the title going to be on the line? Fury's title. Turns out, yes to some, no to others. We were first to report yesterday, the great Damon Martin. Will be a pro bout. Will be an official bout on the records. But the title will not be on the line. So it's a real fight. 
Not an exhibition, professional bout. Francis Gano, the fumbler of the bag, fumbled that bag into a floppity jillion dollars. How about that? And as I said after he signed the PFL deal, if that is what fumbling the bag is, then allow me to fumble all the bags. Allow me to fumble all of those bags because my family will be taken care of forever. For generations to come, if I can fumble the bag like Francis Ngannou did. Holy smokes. And then we're thinking to ourselves, this news cycle can't get any crazier. It's just not possible. Let's just simmer it. Well, Everything's going to simmer down. We got 290. Everything that happened there. We have UFC Vegas 77 coming up on Saturday. Whatever. Ngannou Fury, awesome. And then we find out last night, Jamal Hill, no longer the UFC light heavyweight champion. Injury, the Achilles ruptured. We're told via sources that it was due to, it was something that happened in the, the basketball game that happened during fight week. But Jamal Hill's going to be out for a while. He's vacating the title. And this is just wild, man. It's just at, like this division. Just think about what has happened over the last eight months. Yuri's getting ready to fight Glover for the second time. The follow-up to one of the craziest title fights of all time. Yuri injures his shoulder, vacates the title. Then we have a vacant title fight between Jan Bohovich and Magomed Ankalaev in a fight that Dana White just despised. They go to a draw, no champion, so we get Jamal Hill Glover to share a month later, less than a month later, for the vacant title. Jamal Hill has the performance of a lifetime, wins the title. And all year long, we were wondering, when is this belt going to be defended? Is Yuri coming back? If he's not coming back, who is Jamal going to fight? And we go through all these months. Apparently, Yuri is almost ready to go, according to his management. We have Jan Bohovic getting ready to fight Alex Pereira in a little over two weeks' time at UFC 291. And now that fight has a lot more stakes, and it could add even more stakes. Because the UFC in their infinite wisdom could absolutely just say, all right, that's the vacant title fight. They could have Yuri just fight the winner later on this year. They could do Yuri versus Ankoliath. We don't know what the hell's going on with Israel Adesanya right now. Like, we assume he's fighting DDP, but are they going to do it in September? Is this going to fight somebody else before the DDP fight? Is that going to be enough time for DDP to turn around and... Fight Izzy for the middleweight title in Sydney? Are they going to just pull Izzy from that card altogether? Like, there's so many questions that are up in the air right now because of this. And it's just wild news. It's just wild news. And to find out that it probably happened during this basketball game, man, just a crazy turn of events. A crazy turn of events. So we have no light heavyweight champion. This division just continues. And as soon as it gets interesting, bad things happen. It's just unbelievable. It's unbelievable. There's so much going on in the space right now. But we're going to turn it over to you guys. This is not going to be your typical free-for-all Friday. I mean, if you guys want to ask free-for-all Friday type questions, go right ahead. But there's just so much to talk about. And I haven't been here all week. So let's get after it. Toke, you are first. Get us rolling. 
don't sound like a Muppet and that you can actually talk. That's good. Um, So, you know, I have two speeds. I have two speeds. I have let's bring on a serious question or I have rant time. And today I feel like ranting a little bit because I will say this. Yuri Pokhaska started a bad fucking trend of why the fuck do you give UFC the idea that, hey, if I get injured, I'm gonna just vacate my title. And now Jamal Hill is doing it as well from an injury he got at a UFC-related event at the UFC X. Like, what the... (laughs) I'm so mad. And what's really strange is I saw Nolan King, right? He, he said, okay, the, the fight to do for the title is uh, Ankalaev versus uh, uh, Pohaska. And I was just thinking, there is no way in fucking hell that Dana White, after Ankalaev's last fight, is going to say, yeah, let's try Ankalaev for a title again. That's not going to happen. He's going to have to win three fights. Uh, no, maybe not three, but he's going to win. He's going to have to do more than just sit around since the draw and just get a title fight. That's not going to happen. So, I mean, let's see if they're going to put um, make it a title fight between uh, uh, Alex Pereira or, and, uh, and uh, Jan. But my God, th- this is a trend that I don't like to see because, again, he was injured during their event. And, I mean, he, now he has no security. He says, yeah, he, he's gonna, you're going to get the title shock when, when you're back. Yeah, those promises are always really good with the UFC. They never, ever would breach one of those promises, would they? Like, this is, you just lost your security because you vacate your belt voluntarily because you got injured at a UFC event. That's just nonsense. And it, I just don't like to see it. But if I should throw a question in there as well, I should say, what do you just want to see the title, the vacated uh, title be between Alex Pereira and, uh, and uh, Jan Blachowicz, or do you want to see something else? That's my question, I guess. I just wanted to vent a bit. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I get where you're coming from. It's just weird. I mean, you, you kind of – I've told my theory about the Yuri thing for a minute. I don't think Yuri was like, yeah, I'll vacate the title. I think the UFC, like, kind of was like, go ahead and vacate. You know what I mean? Go ahead and give up that belt. Maybe we'll kick you a couple shekels to do that so we can have a title fight on this pay-per-view that looks awful without Prahashka versus Tashira too. So I, I feel like the UFC, it was more of the UFC just being like, dude, just vacate. We'll give you a title shot when you come back. Um, and I think, I don't know if the Jamal situation is exactly the same, but I'm sure the UFC is not happy with how this is all played out. But you have some interesting options here. I am with you. Uh, I don't think Ankle Live is going to get the title shot. Not that he doesn't deserve it, because in a... In, in the real world, in like the Bellator meritocracy world, Ankle Life is getting a title fight in his next fight. I still don't understand why Dana hates that Blahovich Ankalaya fight so much. I know it started off like pretty hot for a couple of rounds and then it just slowed down and it just turned into 
Ankalaev just taking Blahovich down and just kind of laying on him. And I think most people felt like Ankalaev won that fight. But in the end, Dana's not happy. And if Dana's not happy, you got to do more work. So to me, I don't think Ankalaev's in play unless there's literally nobody else. Unless there's literally nobody else. So if they say, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do Pereira, Blahovich. The winner of that will fight Yuri for the vacant title. And those two just beat the hell out of each other. And the winner can't turn around quickly. Could they give Ankalaev a call? Sure. Will he be their first choice? I would be stunned if he is. Will they just make... I kind of feel like they're just going to do Jan versus Pereira for the vacant title, but I have no idea. Honestly, I have no idea. But I would say Ankalaev is probably going to have to get a win. Maybe throw him in there with Johnny Walker. He goes out there and just melts Johnny Walker. His next fight's for the belt. I'm just looking at this from a UFC perspective. Because Magomed Ankalaev very well could, could be the best light heavyweight in the world. But of all the options that are available right now, he's probably the least interesting from the UFC's perspective. So I'm with you. They, either they just say this fight at 291 is just winner of this fight's Yuri, or they just crown a champion then Yuri gets the first shot. Either way, um, it's going to be involving those three gentlemen, I think. And then Ankalaev will be like the backup in case something happens. But yeah, what a crazy situation. It's freaking wild. Maybe I should just like skip out on heck of a mornings like for a week more often. Then we have so much to talk about. No, I'm not going to do that. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Four Corner Sports, what's up? Hey, I mean, that would be pretty funny if they do have um, Bolovich versus Pereira on that uh, UFC 291 card, because that would mean that the BMF title would hold more significance on the card as the main event, and then the, the UFC light heavyweight title would be the co-main event. Usually it would be flip-flopped around, but... Um, I do feel like that might be the, the direction that the UFC might end up turning towards. Um, you know, Jamal Hill, I mean, what's it called? We don't know when he's going to come back. He pretty much has that Kobe Bryant injury. And um, it sucks because I really wanted to see, you know, how he was going to be able to turn it on, what his next fight was going to end up being like after he ended up demolishing um, Lovers to Share for five rounds. Um, it sucks because the UFC really was, was holding him on ice. And, I remember, I think you said it on the, the watch party, and I thought about it. I was like, you said that he's on, 
he's at every single UFC event. I'm like, you know, I feel like what's it called? At this point, he's at more UFC events than he's been in fights in, in the in the UFC because it's like I wanted to see him fight. I wanted to see, and, but they had him on ice. I feel like for, to have Yuri, and it sucks. I uh, I felt like Jamal Hill. You know, for, granted, you know he, he, you know, he was on the sidelines, and I feel like he was doing a lot of TikTok videos. It looked like he was out of shape and stuff like that. And I feel like a lot of that ended up um, accumulating towards that, that injury. And I saw the tweet from Damon Martin about, you know, him, you know, having the injury. I'm like, damn, what's gonna happen next? And I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the USC holds off until Yeri comes back, and they might put him, I mean, against like. Year against Johnny Walker, just because you know uh, Dana has some type of vendetta against Magomed and Kaliev. Um It just sucks right now because I feel like this uh, division has been cursed ever since uh, uh, John Jones has left the division. And as for the UFC uh, 290, um, I gotta say, wow, I was very surprised on DDP knocking out uh, Robert Whitaker. I didn't have that in my bingo card. Um, I was for certain that it was going to go towards a decision, and that's that's what it felt like it was straining towards. But, I mean, maybe Jed, you know, m- might be, you know, Mystic M- Mystic Jed because, I mean, he's been pre- predicting a lot of good stuff. The Juliana Pena one, DDP, um, he predicted that Pantoja versus Moreno was going to be the, the, the best fight on the card. Um, if I'm DDP, I'm seeing... I'm actually declining the Israel Adesanya fight in Sydney and then hopefully having that fight in December just because I feel like it's too quick of a turnaround and it actually favors more Adesanya as opposed to DDP just because Adesanya's last fight was in April. All right, I just wanted to know what you guys think. Yeah, that is going to be really interesting how they how they do this. Is it like Izzy is definitely fighting on that card? Because if Izzy's definitely fighting on that card, I just don't know, like... DDP has certainly earned it, and if DDP is game and wants to turn around that quickly and fight Izzy, good on him. But I don't know. There's could he just could they just do Izzy versus Sean Strickland, and if Izzy wins, like we could properly build this DDP fight. Sure, they could do that in order to keep Izzy on the card. But if Izzy isn't fighting in Sydney, that is not a pay per view anymore. It's not a pay per view. Because why are we doing this then? What's the point of the card? What's the point of putting it on pay-per-view and charging people 85 bucks if the man with whom the card is built around, shout out John Anik, isn't able to compete on it? But I'm with it. Like, DDP is the only fight that makes sense. But to do it in, what, now seven weeks? You're asking a lot of, of DDP. And this is going to be one of the biggest fights the UFC can make. For good or for bad, the build is going to be what it is. It's going to be built around something weird and kind of hateful and all of that. It's a massive fight right now. A massive fight for the UFC. But do you want, do you want to just rush that over seven weeks? Do you just want to get Izzy in there? Because the Strickland fight will gain traction. And I know he just beat Abus, and it's weird that Strickland would get the shot before DDP, but if Izzy goes out there and beats Strickland, which he probably would, and probably would do so pretty easily, no disrespect to Strickland, then you can properly build the DDP fight. But I just, I don't know what they're going to do. 
I don't know what they're going to do. And I don't know if DDP is going to – DDP's got some leverage right now. He could just be like, no, forget that. I'm not doing it in seven weeks. Find somebody else or make Izzy wait. And that's what he should do. That's what he should do. What a performance, man. What a performance. Proved a lot of people wrong. Shut me up. Whitaker tried to stand there and slug it out with DDP. Was kind of surprised by the game plan. But DDP just tripped him, took him down. And as soon as that first round was over, you just felt the momentum go full on to, to the DDP side. And, man, what a performance. That was, that was a game changer. That was a game-changing performance. Well done, DDP. Uh, let's go to Eric. What's up, Eric? Was a great card. The tournament event lived to my expected. The tournament event was sick, and I th- agree with the last guy. I think uh, DDP. I think DDP should not take Israel Adesanya fight because he fought Randy Whitaker. So yeah, I don't think that's gonna help. I think they might. If this is not on the Sydney card, bro, who is he gonna fight? Thanks, guys. He's gonna what? Who is he gonna fight then? If uh, DD- yeah, who is is he gonna fight if he's not gonna is is he? Yeah. I mean, is he if, if Izzy's gonna fight in that card and it's not DDP, they'll probably just do the Sean Strickland fight. Fresh matchups coming off a win. There's heat there. You can build video packages with just with the press conference last year. You could do that. I mean, it is risky. Because you don't want like a banana peel moment where something happens. Maybe like Izzy checks a kick and breaks his leg. Like it's risky. You just never know what's going to happen. Um, but if Izzy is going to fight on that card and DDP is not going to turn around, he'll probably fight Sean Strickland. Who knows? Maybe, maybe they'll put Izzy in the vacant light heavyweight title fight. I don't know. This whole thing is kind of a mess right now, which is why booking DDP versus Robert Whitaker in hindsight was kind of stupid. But it also made this fight much bigger. So, I don't know. I don't know what the hell they're going to do. And you can't, just, you can't just come out and say, well, you know what? We changed our minds. The Sydney card is going to be a fight night, but this card on September 16th that we promised you is going to be free on ESPN Plus is now a pay-per-view. Like, you can't do that now. You've already put it out there that this is the free card. And you're going to get a title fight just by being an ESPN Plus subscriber. You get this long-awaited rematch between Alexa Grasso and Valentina Shevchenko for free. You can't just go back on your word now. So you're going to you're gonna have to make this work somehow. And I'm just wondering when that's going to happen. When are we going to find out what the deal is with any of this shit? Mikey, hello. Good. Let's just keep it simple. Jan, keep Jan and Pereira as it is because to turn that fight around into a five-round bout on about two weeks' notice at elevation, while doable, is also just it's impract- it's a little impractical. If they do it, they do it. If they don't, I'm just saying it's one of those things. Just keep that as a title eliminator. Then the vacant title, whatever, take the next batch of contenders and put them up against each other. If Yuri's available... Book that fight for the, what? I don't know. I mean, it would kind of be funny to have Yuri Prohashka if he's ready to go 
fight for the fight for well, not even fight. It's technically his title defense, you know, like finally fight for the lightweight title on the undercard of Jones Miocic against whomever. Also, what the hell is Alexander Rockage? Is he still hurt? And um, as for the Drinkus fight, that was fine. I thought the Rob putting him against Rob was fine because it established him as the outright number one contender. If he can't fight um, Adesanya right away in Sydney, then like you said, make it Sean Strickland. Because like I said, as I've preached on, I've, I've preached on forever, it doesn't always have to be the, the outright number one contender who gets a title fight. If you're ranked in the top 10, you're and if you're ranked in the top 10, especially in the top five, you're and you're healthy, you should be available to fight for the fight for the title, especially if you've never fought the champ, you know. So, I mean, sometimes that's what you just got to do. Though. That's that's the nature of the beast, you know. We if you you can't, MMA fans always do this thing where they both talk out of both sides of their mouths, they're like they want champs active, but they want the perfect fight to happen. I'm like, this isn't a video game, not everyone can be healthy all the time. Sometimes you have to take the best available thing that's that's what happens in all sports you know like nobody nobody stops the super bowl because you know patrick mahomes can't play they're like well guess we got cancel super bowl pat mahomes isn't gonna play nope if matt castle's the backup quarterback you're getting matt castle versus whoever the hell you know what i'm saying that's that's just the way the that's just the way it shakes so and um what i am curious though is now what's next for brandon moreno because that I just rewatched the main card for the first time since last week because you know I was out and about for International Fight Week. And that fight is close enough to warrant an immediate rematch, but I also on principle don't want an immediate rematch because I'm sick of immediate rematches that aren't off controversial losses. I mean it was controversial to fans, but it wasn't controversial on scorecards. It was Pantoja one. It, it's fine. I mean you could you know it wasn't a robbery. So I'm curious what they will do with that and when that should happen. So, all right, that'll be all for me today. Be kind, guys. Have a good weekend. Yeah, I mean, you make you make some interesting points. Like and with the DDP Whitaker fight, like I didn't have an issue with the matchmaking. I had an issue with the matchmaking on that card when you're promising the champion is fighting two mo- like exactly two months later. The timing of the fight was just awful. Now, if they booked that fight for 289, one, that would have made that card way better. And two, it gives them an extra month to build up to this other fight. So I would have had no issue with that. But like I said, now the fight's bigger between Izzy and DDP. Everything kind of works out. Let's see what happens with Izzy. Is he going to fight DDP in Sydney? Is he going to fight somebody else? Is he just going to get pulled from the card? What are they going to do? Not really sure. What's next for Moreno? I don't know. I don't know. Both those guys are going to be out for a hot minute. Uh, my initial thought was Pantosha is just going to fight Amir Albazi. Maybe do it in if they could, if he could turn around quick. That could be the co-main event for Abu Dhabi for Islam and whoever he's going to fight. Um, but now maybe we do Yuri fighting somebody for the vacant light heavyweight titles, the co-main event. I mean, there's lots of options. I don't think Yuri. I have a feeling they're going to do Leon Colby as the co-main event to the John Jones fight. That's just a massive fight. It would make sense. Can you imagine Colby and John Jones doing pressers together? That's just going to be a shit show. We know how much the UFC loves a good shit show. So I don't know what's going to happen. 
don't know how long Pantoja is going to be out for. Moreno broke his hand in the fight, so he's going to be out for a minute. I suggested on on to the next one. Pant- I mean, and I even like Pantoja's idea. Like at this point, let's just have Roy Val and Albazi fight each other, number one contender fight. Pantoja gets the winner. And I suggested, let's just do Moreno versus Cejudo. Like, who gives a shit? Just have them fight each other. I know it doesn't make any sense. It has no title implications whatsoever. But Cejudo needs to get a win. At some point, there's a beef between the two. These two are just going to keep talking about each other and the buildup to one another's fights until the day they die, unless they fight each other. So let's get Moreno out of the picture for a little while. Let's get him away from the trilogies and the tetralogies and all this shit for a little while. And let's just settle the beef between these two guys. And then they can both move on with their lives. Like, this, who cares? Just let them fight each other. They want to fight each other. So just let them fucking fight. Not everything has to have title implications. Sometimes two guys just don't like each other and there's a backstory. And then they can just fight. And then they don't have to talk about it anymore. I think this is a perfect opportunity to get Moreno away from it. So Hudo out of the Bantamweight title picture, and then it's just squash a beef. Why the hell not? Do you think anyone's going to complain if they put that fight together? No. Because we have viable contenders at 125. We have viable contenders at 135. None of these, like, both of these guys are kind of like, sure, they could go and do the immediate rematch, but we don't have to do that. And if Moreno beats Hudo, guess what? He's going to get a title shot. He'll get his shot right back. And if Cejudo beats Moreno, at least he has a win. And now you can make a case to go fight for the 135-pound title, depending on where that all shapes up. But sometimes you just need to go in there and squash a beef. Go squash the beef. And let's move on with life. Uh, one Toro, hello. Hey, what's up, Mike? Uh, my question was, uh, well, my first question um, has changed because somebody already asked it. But you said that you wanted to see Amir um, Bazi versus Brandon Ravel. Um even though Brandon Ravel has been in multiple, I guess I can say quote unquote one, number one contender fights. Um and I just want to know why you don't think uh, Pantoja should just straight up fight Brandon Ravel instead of fighting Amir Bazi for a number one contender fight. Um even though uh, Amir Bazi's um last fight was kinda controversial, um in my opinion, I think that um Kaikar fans actually beat him. But that's besides the point. And my second question was, why do you think Kobe Covington versus Leon Edwards should be a co-main event and not a main event, especially at the end of the year? Because uh, I know that it's it's very limited space between uh, numbered events for the UFC. And uh, some of the fights actually might lay over to 2024. But I want, to, I want your thoughts as to why Kobe Covington versus Leon Edwards um, should be a, shouldn't be a co-main event and be a main event. Thank you. Uh, so the first question: Look, if they if they book Roy Val versus Pantoja, like sign me up. My hesitation is Pantoja just, I mean, he just ran over Roy Val and finished him not long ago. It wasn't like this happened five years ago. This was pretty recent. So if the UFC wanted to go a different direction, and the only reason I said Albazi would be a, a bit ahead of Royval in the conversation should Pantoja win was because the, of the timing of it all. 
there is a world where I thought the UFC would be like, hey, Pantoja, I want you to turn around in October, fight Al-Bazi in Abu Dhabi, because that's a good crowd for, I mean, that's a good fight for the local crowd. Al-Bazi being where, who he is and where he's from, he will have a lot of support. So that would make sense just to put that on the card. So the timing actually lined up for Al-Bazi, but after the way that fight went and the way those two beat the hell out of each other, I just don't know if October is realistic at all. And we don't even know if like November or December is realistic for either of those two guys for, for Pantoja to fight right now because of the war those two guys just put on. You're asking a lot. So if Pantoja is not going to be able to fight until 2024, then let's just have those two guys fight it out. Let's just settle the argument. Who's the number one contender? Let's just have him fight. Do a five-round main event. Winner gets the title shot. There you go. Um, and if they go back to Moreno, which they could, then those two guys are going to have to fight anyway. So, yeah, look, if, if Roy Volley, if, if Roy Vall's the guy, dude, I'll watch the hell out of that fight. Um, I would put Roy Vall above Albazi for sure. But the only reason I suggested Albazi in the first place was because of Abu Dhabi. Could they turn him around quick, give Albazi the title shot in front of fans that will cheer for him? where he'll look like kind of a star. He won't look that way in front of any other crowd. So that was my biggest suggestion, but no real wrong way to do this. But I would be down to watch Roy Val and Albazi fight. I just don't know when Pantoja is going to be able to come back. Edwards, Covington, could they headline in December? Sure. But again, we don't know what's going on with Connor. Uh my gut is telling me that they're still going to try to make that fight, the Connor Chandler fight for December. I know Dana, like, fires back at the media for writing, you know, exactly what he says. Who gives a shit about USADA or something like that? And then he claps back. See, this is why I hate you guys. You guys twist my words around. You literally said those exact words. It's right there. You said those words. You've been saying it for months. I don't deal with this Ushada thing. Not really going to matter. If they want to use an exemption on Conor McGregor, if they can use an, an exemption on Conor McGregor, they can do it. And if Conor is headlining a December card and it's a non-title fight, then they're probably not going to put a title fight underneath it unless it's maybe like a women's fight or I don't, or I don't know. So I'm sure Leon Edwards and Colby Covington, and I've talked to Colby about this already, Colby would be just fine being the co-main event underneath John Jones because they will make a lot of money. There, there are going to be many more pay-per-view buys for John Jones Stipe as the main event and Colby and Leon as the co-main event than Colby and Leon being the main event by itself. And they will get a piece of that pie. So, of course, they want to be on that card. <clears throat> and that's a pretty damn good one-two punch right there. So, But is it good enough to headline? Sure. But do I think it will? My guess is they'll do it in, in November. It seems like October, November are the time frames, but that fight makes no sense to do in Abu Dhabi, and it makes fine sense to do it in November at MSG. Colby's got a history there. <clears throat> Leon Edwards would love to fight at MSG. Seems very logical to me. Let's go to CV. What's up, CV? Yo, Mike, heck of a morning. Um, glad to have you back. Um, just two quick takeaways for me from 290. 
Um, first off, I can't wait for Volk versus Tapuria when eventually that happens. Like, imagine if that happens in Spain. It's going to be crazy. Uh, two, um, shout out to Robbie Lawler for having a successful retirement fight. And uh, one last thing for me, um, is it possible to get a birthday shout out? Uh, my birthday is actually tomorrow. Uh, I'm old as fuck. I'm turning 29 tomorrow. I'm washed. And I'm celebrating my birthday tomorrow by having a watch party of uh, tomorrow's Apex card. No, I'm joking. But uh, glad to have you back. Thanks, man. Happy birthday to you. Happy 29. Yeah, you're washed. You're way younger than me. Enjoy it. I don't want to hear 29 being old at all. And enjoy your uh, <laughs> enjoy enjoy the watch party. The Robbie Lawler thing was incredible. Like everything about it was incredible. The only thing that would have made it better is that the UFC spent a lot more of their promotional time during fight week promoting the fight card and not the slap fighting. You know what I'm saying? But other than that, this is incredible. And we talked about this on the watch party. We talked about it on the post-fight show. We talked about it, about it on BTL yesterday. And it's funny because I was talking to, to BC last week before we went on BTL. And he said something that made me laugh hysterically. Much like we are at times over at MMAfighting.com, the morning combat guys, when a card is not good, they're not going to paint a different picture. They're just going to tell you that a card's not good. And they have been told oftentimes that, oh, you guys are sounding like the MMA fighting guys being a bunch of negative Nancys. First of all, I feel with these preview shows that we have done in the past, with these rotten cards, that we have, found, we have done the very best we can to find the diamonds in the rough. We, we really have. And when he told me that, I thought that was hilarious. And here's the reason why, okay? The reason why we beat up on the UFC for some of the cards they give us is because we know what they can do. And we know what they are capable of. And we saw it on Saturday. We saw it on Saturday, not just with the fight card, but with how this Robbie Lawler thing played out. They had this great video package, tremendous matchmaking. Everything about it was perfect. Everything about it was spectacular. And then what did we get prior to that? We got Shogun Hua getting danced all over by the duelist. We had Frankie Edgar getting knocked out unconscious by a flying knee by a young, hungry whippersnapper that made absolutely no sense. And then they got it together and they did it perfectly for Robbie Lawler. Why is it, why is it negative for us to, to want and demand better from the best fight promotion in the history of the world? Why? How is that negative? How is that negative when we know you are capable of greatness, but you give us meh 85% of the time? It's okay as a fan to find good things about a card, but then be like, hey, we know you could do better than this. And then they come out on Saturday, and everything about Saturday was incredible. And we're just like, see, you can do this. You can do this. So just do it more often. Now, not every card is going to be 290. I get it. 
But give us some stakes. Give us a reason to care. Give us a reason to stay in on a Saturday night. Besides just, well, it's fights. I'll watch them. Give us stakes. Give us storylines. Give us something to dig our teeth into. And that moment with Robbie Lawler just put it over the top for me. Because there are times where I'm like, well, am I too negative? No, I don't think I am. I don't think I am. And it's reasons because of that. And what Robbie Lawler did on Saturday was incredible. The UFC deserves a big pat on the back with how they set all that up. The video package at the end, the production, all of it. A plus, plus, plus. And if the UFC does something bad, we'll call them out on it. And if they do something great, we will shout them out. And this was great. This was incredible. Well done to everybody. Congratulations to Robbie Lawler. Best, it's probably the best, most positive retirement in the history of the sport. Just well done all around. This is fucking great. Joe, hello. Hey, Mike. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? Not too bad. Um, I don't like to get too far ahead of everything, but I do as a fan. Um, I'm already starting to look at, you were just talking about big cards and amazing cards. And the next one is probably 300. I know we're eight cards off into the myth here, nine cards off, but I'm already starting to look as a super fan, like uh, what it could be. Like I'm already starting to wonder if uh, AP gets the title shot. So Izzy and AP could headline it for the 205 strap. If Connor holds off, because we've seen, the UFC just hold fights off for no good reason. If Connor gets held off till 300, I don't know who else in the UFC would have enough star power to give us like what we would consider the UFC 300 main event. So I guess mom just asking what your comments and thoughts are on what the path to 300 and who could headline 300. I mean, I would sure I would assume they would try to get Connor on there. I would say John Jones, but I'm not really confident that he like comes back and fights after the Stipe fight. Um, could see Izzy on there. I mean, Islam Volk would have been a real good one because uh, I don't need to see that right now. But there's a chance we get it. I don't know what's it's it's just so far away, and there's so many unknowns. Now we're looking at a. We have a division at 205 with no champion right now. <coughs> Excuse me. So there's a lot that can kind of play out, but I would assume if they can get Connor on that card, sure. Now, if they push Connor to 300, Michael Chandler's going to have to fight somebody. They're not, like, he cannot sit on ice for how long will it be? 16 months? No. So does he fight Islam? It would not shock me. If they gave Chandler that phone call, I've been saying it for weeks. It would not stun me at all. If they gave Chandler that call just to fill that spot. And what do you think Chandler's going to say? No, I'm waiting for the Connor fight. Of course, he's going to take the title fight and then maybe fight Connor in April. If Chandler somehow wins the belt, you bet your ass Connor is going to start selling Michael Chandler as an opponent. He wants to fight. So I don't know. It's very strange. I feel like Connor's going to fight in December, but it's just hard to look that far ahead. That's what it's probably gonna be like April when 300 happens. No, oh, maybe Hamza Shamai. I don't know, man. 300 is gonna be a uh, 300 is gonna be a wacky one. Jim Miller needs to be on that card. That's for sure. But the rest, I have no idea. 
Jim Miller versus Max Holloway should be on UFC 300. Viking, hello. Hello, Mike. How are you? Good. What's up? I have been waiting for this opportunity since very long. I mean, I have been feeling so low. I had been feeling so low since one month. And I just want to say that thanks a lot to you guys, especially you, my brother. I just, I have a, I have a so, so much impact of your presence in my life, brother. And at that time, I had so many bad thoughts, but I couldn't do that. And that's, and and one more thing that you mentioned in the past that if you have a strong woman in your life, you your life is amazing. And that's the same thing has happened with me five years ago. So my girlfriend was there with me all the time. But uh, I especially, especially I want to thank MMAfighting.com crew, just you, AK, uh, Jed Mishu, even if I don't like him, <laughs> Jed Mishu, uh, Shane El Shadi, Jose, and EKC. Thanks a lot for, thanks a lot, you guys, for making my life better when I was so low when I was feeling so low in my life and right now everything is fine and especially you Mike you are my brother I love you a lot brother thanks a lot man Viking that uh that means the world um sometimes you don't realize what impact you can have and that means a lot but stay with us Viking World, everything is it, it, when things look like they suck and they're really bad, uh, they get better, they get better, and you're right. When you had a good when you got a good woman by your side who was with you through the good and the bad, the thick and the thin, it just makes you appreciate everything that you have. And yeah, stick with us, stick with us, my man. You know, you've been a long time member of the heck of a morning community and and we love you viking so yeah stay positive my man glad you're doing better and uh appreciate the kind words shit's gonna turn around when it gets bad it'll get better cole hello good morning mike heck of a morning um I hope you don't look at me any differently because on Saturday night, I might have had too many bush lights that I actually scored it live 49-46 for Brendan Moreno. Now, I knew I knew in the moment that I was discrediting the, the aggressive uh, or the, the, the grappling control Pantoja late in that fifth round. But, man, I, I just was favoring the striking all day. I thought it was really close. And then hearing Ben Cartledge's scorecard read first – I thought I had it like right on the head, which, which is why I was kind of shocked when I went to Twitter later and saw just everybody going crazy about it. So that was my first time being on the wrong end of a scorecard like that. But, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Last week, I don't know if you remember, I kind of told you, I was like, we, with Robbie Lawler, we could see one of the greatest retirements, non-title retirements ever. It was set up to be. And I think just him being in the – Hall of Fame earlier that week just put the icing on the cake. So, I mean, 
Yeah, I hope you don't look at me any differently based on how I scored that co-main. Just your thoughts on that. Nah, man, I don't look at you differently. It's a weird fight to score. There's just so much action in all of it. And to find out that Brandon Moreno, like, broke his hand in the first round, I think, and he was still throwing it, like, I had no clue. Normally, you could tell, like, oh, this dude broke his hand. Not Moreno. Dude is such a savage. The 49-46, like, I just don't truly understand, but I know you're not a lo- – like, I know you're not the only person. Like, Ben Cartledge, I ain't going to sit here and rip on Ben because uh, Ben is one of the best judges in the world. He is incredible at what he does. He understands the criteria. Oftentimes, he'll come out and, like, explain his scoring on social media. I don't know if he did with this one or not, but Ben is really good. And I remember – when Ben was kind of announced as someone who will be able to, he was like accredited in, in, in Nevada. I was like, yes, like, cool. Let's get Ben on as many cards as possible. So I don't agree with 49, 46, but I ain't going to sit here and dog him because again, judging's tough and we give you a pass here and there. Now, if it's consistent, if you're running off a bunch of shitty cards in a row, yeah, you get put in the Doug Crosby Hall of Fame. Um, but I don't really put Ben there for that reason. Um, 48-47 Moreno, I will listen to. But I, I just – I went back and rewatched it. I think I scored it – I think I scored it 49-46 Pantoja live. On the rewatch, I scored it 48-47 Pantoja. There was one round that even on the watch party, I was like, I'll score this for Pantoja, but – I'm not confident in it, and I know Jed and, and GC felt more confident in it than I did, um, but I think 48-47 Pantoja is a fine card. I will listen to 48-47 Moreno, but to me, I think after watching the fight on the watch party and then giving it another rewatch on Sunday, I think, uh, I think 48-47 Pantoja is the right guy. I, th- I think the right guy won. I think the right guy won. But great fight. Great, great fight. Brent, hello. Good morning, Mike. You can hear me, right? Yes, sir. Okay, cool. I'm on my, on my way to work, so I'll make it quick. Uh, who do you think should be the backup fighter for the Jones and Stupid fight? And who do you think will be the uh, backup fighter for that fight? Uh, thanks. Have a good morning, everybody. Mmm... I don't know if there will be. I mean, there might be. I think you kind of have to have one anytime John fights. Uh, I think the answers to both of those questions will be Sergey Pavlovich. Yeah, it's probably going to be Pavlovich. Let's go to Black Belt MMA. Black Belt, are you there? Hi, my friend. Hey, buddy. Yeah, I'm good. Uh, first of all, I'm so happy to talk with you. Uh, and I want to talk about uh, Jamal Hill, uh, the kids. I think the, there is, there was a good uh, uh, thing to do is to say to say to, to stiff uh, the build with him and uh, make a fight between Alex Pereira and. Uh, 
um, Brohashka for the interim fight. That would be a very good fight. And uh, it will make a good uh, pay-per-view. Because uh, the two of them, are uh, the people love them. Uh, and this, th- that's all. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, if we get Yuri versus Pereira, sign me the hell up for that. Sign me up for that. But it's just, it's gonna, again, it's going to be interesting. Are they just going to make Pereira Blahovich the vacant title fight? Are they just going to make that the official eliminator? The winner gets Yuri. Is Yuri going to face off with one of those guys after? I don't know. It'll be interesting. I wonder if Dane is going to come out and make one of his special announcements today. I'm surprised we haven't had one this week after the Tyson Fury France and Ganu fight got announced. Because as soon as Ariel put out that tweet that it was going to be announced soon, we got Joan Stipe announced like three hours later. So I'm surprised it's taken this long, to be honest with you. Ahmad, hello. Ahmad, do we have you? Okay. I was just going to say, too, like, we have had a great string of calls getting through right away. Everyone's sounding crisp and perfect. And then I just, I jinxed it just even by thinking about that. Uh, Justin with a Y. Hello. Hello. So I've been thinking about this Jan versus Alex fight. I think it should be the title fight. I think they're the highest rank light heavyweights. I know Alex isn't technically ranked, but whatever. Um, but is this the most consecutive vacant title fights in one division? And is Jan done if he loses this? It's a great question. I think a lot of people thought Jan was done after the Ankalaya fight. Um, so yeah, I mean, this division is just so weird. Like, I don't know. And Jan is such like an interesting cat. And I think the more we, we, the more we learn about him, the more, intriguing and interesting that he is. And I think people like Jan Bohovich. So if he loses to Pereira, is he done? I'm not, with this division, I'm not willing to ever say that somebody's done or completely out of title contention. So probably not. But I'm curious if they are going to put the title online in that fight. And if they do, hopefully these guys get paid some more money. They should, because we're extending it to five rounds and it's a title fight. Maybe they get some pay-per-view points, because I'm sure that pay-per-view is going to do pretty damn well with uh, Poirier and Gaethje fighting for the BMF title in the main event. It'll be a weird co-main event. It's already the co-main event, but it'll be weird putting like an actual title fight as the co-main event, but sometimes circumstances call for weirdness, and UFC likes to do weird things. Uh, I'm out. Good morning, yeah. sir. How you doing? Good. So my question is, what do you actually think is going to happen for the October uh, pay-per-view with Islam? Who do you think actually is going to fight Islam for that uh, title? Thank you. What a, and this is such a good question because I don't really know. I'm with – I don't say this very often, but I agree with Dana White. Dana said what I said after the watch – like after the Volkanovsky win at the watch party. He said the same thing in the post-fight presser. It's on Volk. If Volkanovsky says, I want Islam, he's getting it. 1,000%. He's getting the the fight. 
If Volk's like, eh, I'm going to wait for the rest of the year to play out. I'll fight Ilya. Maybe I'll fight him down the road. Then they'll go somewhere else. Oliveira is such a wild card in this because I don't know if he's just saying this to, like, get more money. I don't know if this is, like, a negotiation tactic from Oliveira. Because it wouldn't surprise me, and it would actually be brilliant if we're being honest, uh, especially with the way that fight played out and Volk needing surgery. Maybe Oliveira was aware of the surgery, which apparently is supposed to be major. It's supposed to be like a scope. And if Volk said, like, I could fight in October. So I think Volk is going to have the, the rite of passage if he says, I'm in. I think he gets it. If he says no, I think they'll go back to Oliveira again. If Oliveira really isn't ready to go, I think Chandler's. I think Michael Chandler's in play here. It's weird to say a guy coming off of a bad loss. I mean, not a bad loss, but he he was finished by Dustin Poirier in his most recent fight. I kind of feel like Chandler could get the call here. It's very possible. Obviously, Poirier Gaethje, the winner of that, would be the number one guy but there's I just don't see a world where those two just don't beat the hell out of each other for as however long that fight lasts to turn them around in two and a half months that's gonna be tough man it's gonna be tough especially Dustin Poirier because of the his priorities he's got a daughter she's in school and Poirier talked about this when he fought Michael Chandler last year I'm not fighting again until July. I'm not fighting again until the summer because I already had to pull my daughter out of school, bring her to Florida so I could get ready to fight Michael Chandler in November. I can't do that to her again. And I don't know if Poirier is going to want to do that and turn around that quickly. Now, if Justin Gaethje wins that fight and doesn't take a lot of damage, I could see Gaethje being chaotic enough to be like, you know what? Let's go. I'll be ready. Cool. Um, but if neither of those guys are in play and Oliver is not in play and Volk's not in play, I could certainly see the UFC calling Michael Chandler. They love him. He's a company guy. He's on tough. If for some reason, McGregor, that fight doesn't pan out for this year. Maybe this is the penance from the UFC. Like I could see this happening. Sounds crazy. Doesn't make any sense meritocratically. But it is something the UFC could, would and could absolutely do. So it's kind of a mess, but I think Chandler's certainly in play here if none of the other guys are. Fitz, hello. What's up, Mike? Uh, heck of a morning to you. Hope you're feeling better. Um, it was such a, such a peaceful week without your show, man. So, um, no, all, all, all jokes. Wow. Uh, actually, <laughs> no, I actually wanted to actually shout out Viking too, man. I, you, you got an MMA community here with you, man. Ever want to reach out and talk to anybody? I'm sure anybody in this show uh, would be happy to talk to you too, man. Um, but you know me, man, I'm going to keep it quick. Everyone's talking about these titles and these championships. Everyone's leaving out the biggest one in question here. What's up with this women's 145 pound division? I don't know why Norma and Chelsea are fighting here. I mean, I'm guessing just because the fight was booked and they don't want to scrap it, but I mean, what is going to happen here, Mike? Are we? I mean, is this the last 145-pound fight we see here? Thanks, man. Uh, probably. I, I like. I just don't know how it's going to work. I'm not saying it's the last one that will happen, but the 
I would say it's probably the last contracted 145-pound fight. Could we have situations like we had recently where a fighter, like the Carol Hosa fight, where a fighter has to step in on short notice and I'll do it, but I can't cut to 35 in two weeks. So we'll just do it at 45. Could I see that? Yeah. But do I see featherweight fights being on the contract? Probably not. Um, it's weird, man. It's kind of, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know what they're going to do. Dumont says she can make 135. Chelsea Chandler was supposed to fight uh, Leah Letson. That was supposed to be a bantamweight fight. And Letson ended up retiring and Chandler fought somebody else. I think it was at 140. So I don't even know if she can make 135. So, yeah. It's a weird position. But as far as like weight being initially contracted for 145 for the ladies in the UFC. It's going to be tough, man. Don't see it happening. Uh, the average as bleep podcast. What's up? Uh, you're I, muted. There we go. Hey, so sorry about that. So okay. I need to keep circling back to, the lightweight fight, um, the title fight, or the light heavyweight title fight. But um, I just don't like Jan and Pierre becoming a title fight. One, because of the log- the logistics that you mentioned with it being a co-main undisputed. Because um, I doubt that you can't do like an interim title when it's vacant, right? So it'd be an undisputed below the BMF. That's kind of weird. Um, but then you know, the winner of this fight would have had to wait for Yuri anyway because he was guaranteed the next title shot. So just make it the number one contender and then, you know, next fights for the vacant title against Yuri. Uh, sounds like hopefully by the end of the year. Um, but yeah, what do you think about that? Yeah, I'd be fine with that. And you know what the UFC should do? They should just give Yuri the fucking title back. That's what they should do. Because I've been saying this for a while. I don't think that Yuri Prohash, like, I think Yuri Prohashka is like, got the warrior spirit and all that. But I don't think when Yuri was hurt, he was like, hey, UFC, I'm hurt. My shoulder's hurt. I think I could be back by the summer, but I'm going to vacate the title. I don't think that happened. I really don't. I don't think that happened. I think the UFC said, look, man, that sucks. Here's. A couple, I don't know, here's some money. Just vacate the belt and so we can have this pay-per-view with the actual title fight. And then as soon as you're ready to come back, you get a title shot. And I think Gary, it will present it like you made this decision. I don't know if this is the case or not, but that's just how it feels to me. It just felt so strange for a guy who was like, I'll be out for like six or seven months and then I'll be ready to go. And it seems like his timeline was pretty spot on because he's ready. Apparently he's ready to book a fight. So if that's the case, why did we strip him to begin with? Like, why did, why is he not the champion? So you can just give him the title back. You've done it before. You did it with DC. He never lost the title in a fight. Just give him the, like, give him the belt back. He can just be the champion. 
And then Pereira and Blahovich can fight, and the winner fights Yuri, who shouldn't have lost the belt to begin with. So, like, it just took us in a weird circle and around a weird roundabout, but at least we got back to where we should have been to begin with. So, yeah, I don't mind that. Just have Yuri there with the freaking belt on his shoulder. Whoever wins that fight, bring Yuri in the cage. They have a little face-off. And there you go. Your next fight is booked. That could happen. Or they just strap the belt on Bohovich Pereira, but you don't need to. You don't have to do that right now because you got the BMF title fight. That's the draw of this card. We'll just keep it keep it as is and but if they gave Yuri the title back, like, would anybody complain about that? No, because he shouldn't have vacated the belt to begin with. The whole thing was just bizarre. But, all right. I think my voice is, uh, has gone through enough today. Uh, we've, we've done it. We've gone through 67 minutes of this. A lot to talk about. We barely even talked about Francis and Tyson Fury, which is pretty crazy. Um, but there's always next week, right? And I'm sure I'll have a million things to talk about on Tuesday when we return. Uh, we'll have weigh-in coverage for UFC Vegas 77. Weigh-in start at the top of the hour over at MAFighting.com. Uh, tomorrow we'll have the People's Pre-Fight Show. I believe it's at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Post-fight show. I'm not going to be on either of those. Um, the wonderful bosses of mine are like, dude, give your voice a rest. Uh, we'll handle it. No worries. And then uh, I'll be back Sunday. On to the next one. Uh, myself and Jed Mishu guest hosting uh, for the vacation. Best friend, Alexander K. Lee. Uh, enjoy your vacay, my best friend. And we'll be back here on Tuesday, 10 a.m. Eastern. We'll react to everything that happened on Saturday, potentially some announcements. We'll see what happens over the next several days. But it's been a whirlwind, everybody. And... Shout out to all of you guys for your patience and for being just an incredible community. So thank you all very much. Back on Tuesday. Have a great rest of your Friday. And as always, have a heck of a morning, everybody. Media Podcast Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. 
gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.